Father, thank you for, for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for, for loving us. Lord, for allowing us to be engaged in what it is that you're doing in this world. I thank you for the encouragement that we have from even just being together this morning. Pray that our hearts would be reinvigorated, that, that things would be different having heard from your word this morning. Lord, thank you for allowing us to, to follow after you. I pray that we would keep in step with you as we're going to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Got a few more weeks left in Galatians here. Just a couple left as we get closer to Thanksgiving. And there is a, there's a lot to be thankful for. And as we've looked at Galatians specifically, we've talked about the Gospel. And to understand in an everyday sense, everyday reality, what we have to be thankful for. That we have an opportunity to understand who God is and how much He loves us through the gift of His Son on the cross. That salvation is there to be had. And that then on top of that, we talk today about what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit to guide us. That He has cared for, for everything. That His character is true in the Old Testament as we've, we've read and we've studied. And then His Son makes it real and visible in front of us. And, and as we hear today, that His Spirit then becomes part of us. That we have these nudgings in our heart and our mind for a reason. That it becomes more and more about what He wants us to do and less about what we want. And as we mature, that's the goal. right? That we would learn how to, to be better at loving Him and loving others. And following His lead. That's the hard part. Salvation is the beginning of it. <laughs> Working out your salvation, what that looks like is your lifetime's goal and ambition. Taking time to see what it is to walk by the Spirit. And so we heard a little bit last week from Ben and that freedom is granted to us, that we have the opportunity to live in freedom, but that we should not use that freedom for our selfish desires, but that we should serve one another. That's the goal. That we take the freedom that we have been given, the choices that we make, and we apply it to the circumstances around us in a way that is most advantageous to those around us. To do that, we've got to develop our character. We've got to fight some of those natural instincts that happen when we think about what we want. We've got to submit our will to something greater than us. To be a part of something that is bigger than us. That has more in view than we can see. And then to do it in a way that, that brings glory and honor to Him. We have an opportunity to serve that way. And, and so this week as we talk about developing our character, the chapter was simply that. Gospel character. What does it mean to have a character of our lifestyle that is in line with the Gospel? And so Paul is talking to, again, the folks at Galatia, and he's talking to both parties. He's talking about those, those 
Judaizers, right? Those folks that follow the law, that are still Jewish, that are following the festivals and the circumcisions and the stuff. That's how they think they are saved. And then there's these believers in Jesus over here, and they're trying to figure out how to make both worlds work. What does our character look like because of Jesus? And so in Galatians chapter 5 is where we find ourselves. Chapter chapter 5 verse 16 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to stay in Galatians the whole time today. So once you open to Galatians 5, you're there. If you're following along on version, hopefully you've already looked ahead a little bit. Paul says, So I say, in, in response to understanding freedom, that we're not to use our freedom to serve ourselves, but that we're to develop character, he says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I use the same illustration over and over because it's relevant to my life and it's something that I can share in a public setting like this. A couple weeks ago, there were a ton of Oreos back here. The reason being because I talk about Oreos all the time. If you know anything about me and you've heard me talk, you know that I think there are only three servings in a container of Oreos. That's the way it works. That's why they're in three rows. (laughs) Now, you can't do that every day, right? I, I can't live by that rule. I cannot always do what I want to do. It's a simple outworking of that is not what is best for me. That is not necessarily what is most honoring to God either. And that's the pragmatist side of what it means to to understand this fleshly battle and submitting my will to something that is more beneficial. It happens. We have those little battles back and forth between what our mind says, hey, this is what we really feel like doing, right? I feel like watching football all day, but I really should get some things done, right? And you battle this way internally what is what I want to do and what is the best thing to do sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with sitting some Saturdays and watching football. That may be the best thing that you could do that day, is to just rest. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to figure out what is best in that day and in that time for you. I'm not saying that that is bad. That may be a good thing. What I'm asking you is to think about what is best and framing it a little differently. We're not always good at that. Sometimes we think good enough, right? That's good enough. We don't ever get to best. (laughs) 
And that's where we can get into trouble. And Paul was dealing with some of that as he's trying to articulate what it's like now to understand because he's had to deal with folks that, that have had to, to wrestle with the Old Testament, right? They're Jewish. They've been led by God. They're, they're part of His chosen people, right? And then God said, here, follow these laws and that's how you know you're part of Me. I'm giving you circumcision as a sign to the rest of the world that you're Jewish. And he's having to come to grips with a new reality because he was Jewish himself. Alright? Don't forget that. And he's now understanding that Jesus has come and gone. And he was the fulfillment of that law that now what matters is the circumcision of your heart. That what your heart looks like should be evidence to the world that you are different. That is now the new reality. Understanding how Jesus walked and and watching Him live His life. And and you're never going to be able to keep in step with Jesus. Okay? Because Jesus was God and man. You're man. That's it, 100%. The beauty is that in John chapter 16, when Jesus even leaves this world, He tells us, it is good that I leave you. Because they were just following Jesus, right? The the disciples at every turn said, Jesus, what do we do? Jesus, how, what are we, what are we, how are we supposed to handle this? Jesus, I think you should put that kid down and come with us. We've got more important things to do, right? Their whole world revolved around what he said and did, and they had him right there visibly, and they were following him. And they, he says to his disciples when he leaves, it is good for me to go because I can send the advocate the one that will help advocate for things in your heart and between you and God. I'll send the comforter, right? The illuminator as the Spirit is called in a different passage. Someone that will come and be with you and help your heart develop into a heart like Jesus. The three ways in which God has invested in our world. He started at a distance and and was God the Father and created the world and then communicated through man to His people. He chose a people group to show the rest of the world His character and His love for those that He cared about. All throughout the world, everybody knew who the Jews were and not to mess with them because they served the one true God. And then Jesus interrupts life as usual for the Jews as a chosen people and says, I want the entire world to have an opportunity to have a relationship with God the Father. And the image is that we are grafted in. That we are brought into that vine that links us directly to God the Father through Jesus the Son. That process happens. And then how do we become more like Jesus? How do we walk by the Spirit so that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh? 
We've been given the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. So it's important for us to understand theologically where we go with this. It's not something that comes at a later time. It's not, as some would call it, another blessing later after salvation. It is something that happens at the moment that you accept Jesus into your heart. This is why when you sometimes have known someone all of your life, right? You know that person. Paul was one of those people. Right? Kanye West is one of those guys. Let's be real. One of the best things I heard all week was about Kanye West. And somebody put out there, if they think, if Kanye thinks that a life of sexual immorality and, and bigotry and misogyny can all be forgiven by calling on the name of Jesus, then he's exactly right. That's what it takes. It's the only way. It's not for us to judge. Now we will, and we have, because we look on the outward appearance, but you can go back to the very character of God as He chose David and said, I don't look at the outward appearance. I don't care if He's the biggest, best looking guy in the room. I care about His heart. And we can't judge someone's heart. And so Paul is trying to get us to the place of understanding that as we, at the moment of salvation, and the the word is called imputation, we have received the Holy Spirit because we've submitted our desires to something that is bigger than ourselves. If we have truly, honestly done that, bent our knee to believe that Jesus is Lord of our life, then we think about things differently. You've seen some radical life changes in people. You've seen them come into contact with Jesus in an environment where it was unexpected, and bang, they're a different person. Some of you have lived it. All of us should understand it if we truly understand what we've been forgiven. Because all of us know the stuff that goes on inside our own heads. And as we allow Jesus to penetrate our lives and allow the Advocate to advocate for things of the Spirit in our life and in our walk, we start to see situations differently than we ever did before, right? as we see our family struggles, as we see the worldly struggles, we start to think about, how can I have an effect on that? And you start to think, I just want to watch football. (laughs) Right? That's how it works. That God allows the Holy Spirit to, to work in your heart and to soften and to show you things that maybe you never saw before. And He develops your character. At the moment of salvation, you receive it, and it is good that He sent the Advocate, but it initiates conflict. 
right? Right away, there's conflict because you know, and Paul says throughout the New Testament, but his his most famous one is, what I do do, I don't want to do, and what I do want to do, I don't do. And yes, that's the English translation of the Greek. He just fights with himself internally to do the right thing. Because there are things that we want to do, but we know very well it's a good thing maybe, but it's not the best thing. And our character should be about the best things. He lists a couple of things that are obvious. When man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart in verses 9 through or 19 through 21, it's very easy to see some of these things. The acts of the flesh are obvious. There's sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. How can Paul say that? Because if you have the Holy Spirit, then you begin to think about life differently and you are developing that exercise of freedom by the influence of your character that is growing in your heart. Because you've received an influence from God for you to see things differently. Keller, in the book, makes a very good distinction Something that I think we need to understand. Because he he draws these two categories of non-religious and religious. And I've never really looked at these words that way, but it fits so well. I can see where he went with it. Because you see this stuff and you think sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. That stuff we get. We don't want that stuff in the church, right? When you come here to church on Sunday morning, you're not expecting to have a Wiccan service. Right? That's the way it works. You're not expecting to understand or believe that that the people that are around you are being sexually immoral on an everyday basis. Those are things that you see that are very visible and inside of a religious community you try to shun, right? But what about the things inside of a religious community? And that's the thing that, that... Paul opens up here and Keller draws attention to that there's hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Because we're here as one body. And I pray that that unity is what we get. That's the goal. Jesus prayed specifically for those who come to know the message from His disciples, for unity. And Paul knows that. Paul says this about religious folks, that there's going to be discord, there's probably going to be jealousy, there's going to be fits of rage sometimes. Selfish ambitions. Man, why can't I be the guy that... There's going to be envy. There's going to be dissension. There's going to be factions. There's going to be people that think we should have red carpet. There's going to be people that think we should have blue curtains. And unfortunately, that's where some of our churches focus, right? 
That's where things go awry, when we start fighting about stuff that doesn't matter. Stuff that's not about our gospel character. It reveals that maybe we haven't spent enough time working on our character in our hearts. We haven't been listening to that which Jesus would want us to be like. We're still looking at things as if we got to win the battle so we can get some kind of reputation for being in charge. When in reality, I get to be a follower. That's what I do. I get to be a follower. Paul said it best. He says, I'm chief among sinners. (laughs) He was the chief, right? (laughs) Among sinners. And he understood that and and he recognized and he made it part of his character to remind himself that, man, it's all about Jesus and what he does in my heart and in my mind. It's not about my accomplishments. It's about my character. It's about what I do with the freedom that I've been given on an everyday basis. The choices that I make, are they going to be good or are they going to be the best? Am I going to apply what the Scriptures say or am I going to do good enough because I'm better than my neighbor? This is hard stuff, folks. It's it's a lot to think about. And then he gives us a few things that you're familiar with in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. He gives us some pieces of what your character should look like. They have nothing to do with accomplishment, right? Because he just listed things that go on inside your own mind that are negative too. There's some physical things there in the flesh, but then the stuff that happens in our religious world is really in your own mind and your heart, right? And now he's telling you, to spend time thinking about life like this. That the fruit of the Spirit... Why would He use the word fruit? Why would He use that word? Because it takes time to develop, right? That's one of the things even in the book. Like It takes time to grow. It's not like I can automatically have fruit, right? Somebody had to take time and let the fruit develop. It takes time. And eventually it becomes visible to other people. And you know what kind of tree it is, right? It's going to become visible. Character reveals itself in time. That's what happens. Situations don't make you a bad person. They reveal the character that's been there all along. That's why some people can handle adversity better than others because they've been developing their character in preparation for the circumstance. That's what Paul's trying to get you to understand. Develop your character. Spend more time being loving, joyful, peaceful, forbearance, or patient. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Work on your character. Think about what it means to be the best 
loving person that you can be. The gentlest person in and out of the situations that you find yourself. How can you be the kindest person in the room? Develop your character. And it takes time. It takes attention to detail. It takes preparation. It takes meticulous care. Right? You cannot just throw some seeds in the ground and expect it to grow into a healthy, reproducing plant and produce the kind of fruit and health that you want with you just watching TV. That's not how it works. You've got to develop it from the inside out. You've got to plant those seeds deep within inside of your heart. You've got to do the things that it takes to care for them, to nurture them, to water them, to feed them, to give them the right amount of sunlight, to, to do all the stuff that it takes for fruit to grow well. You've got to develop a gospel character. You're not just going to be given one at the moment of salvation. You're going to be given the advocate that's going to induce conflict in your heart. And as you are conflicted about what you used to be like and what you want to be like, the more you make the decisions about what you want to be like, the more you look like you want to look. That's how it works. It's an every day, every hour expression of developing your character into the person that you want to be. What you want to be known for, what you want to pass on to the next generation, what you want to see lived out by your grandchildren, the kind of character that you possess, not the worldly things that you amass, but, but the character by which you take care of those things, that you steward them, that you view everything differently because of Jesus. And because now you have the opportunity to walk by the Spirit. You have an opportunity to keep in step with Him. You get to love more like Him. You get to be more patient like Jesus would have been. You get to develop that character and prepare yourself for life's circumstances. Be ready to, to take on whatever comes in life. I want to frame it differently for you maybe. Just as we talked about it a moment ago, even in, in light of these two things, we see a list of things that we don't want to do and we see a list of things that we do want to do and, and it's easy to just write it and put it on the refrigerator and say, i got to do this and this and this and this, right? Well, it's not a grocery list. <laughs> it's a development of character and it takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, and a lot of willingness. Submission in situations that might be good but to surrender them for what might be best. To frame it as you are not running from something. Okay? A reaction to the Holy Spirit should not look like you are running from something, but that you are running to something. Developing your character will change the way in which you see circumstances. And I don't want you to just run away from circumstances. I want you to run to something. Because if you take off running, 
and you don't have a direction, Greg, you're looking at me like, yes, that's bad news. You've seen guys do that. They get into a hot situation, and they just start running. They might run in a direction that's worse. You have to have your mindset where you are going to run to. When whatever happens in your life happens, where will you run to? You can't just run from it. It's, it might not work. You might run to something that is worse. You have to make up your mind now what you're going to run to. And every day pursue it. And by very nature, as you pursue the good things, the best things that God has to offer, you are going to run away from the other things because they are at opposition. Right? That's what Paul says. If you continue to run toward godly character and continue to pursue it, you will naturally run away from the things you don't want to do. Don't find yourself in a spot where you don't know where to run. It doesn't have to be like that. To keep in step with the Spirit doesn't have to look like that. Galatians 5, 24 and 26. And he sums it up by saying these things to, to all of the believers, all of those that, that believe in the law for salvation, all those Judaizers that are, that are saying, yes, we're believers in Jesus, but we still think we have to follow the law. And the Gentile Christians that have been grafted in, he's saying to all who belong to Jesus Christ, they have sacrificed, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. As we are all believers, as, as you're in this room and you've heard the Gospel presented, if you believe that Jesus is the Lord of your life, then it should not be your goal to look around the room and see how you can provoke somebody or envy somebody in this room. We're on the same team. And there are a lot of other people around the world in that same spot that believe in Jesus, that are working hard to be the best at godly character. And some days they're just going to be good enough. That's the way it works. But our aspiration should never change. That we should work to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Because you're going to get these nudges in your heart. There's going to be things that come across your path. You're going to see something or somebody, and you're going to think, I know what I should do, but I don't have time. <laughs> right? Those things happen in everyday life. I'm saying we're going to work as a group together. All who believe in Jesus. To crucify that fleshly desire to get to our next appointment. To protect ourselves. To allow ourselves to take the best route. 
the one that keeps in step with the Spirit. We're just trying to keep up. That's the reality. We're not setting the pace, folks. The Advocate is. The Holy Spirit, the one that resides inside of us, that's the guy that's setting the pace. He's the one we're trying to keep up with. We're trying to keep in step with that Holy Spirit. That we would have the opportunity to be engaged in as many good, great, best things as possible on a daily basis. That we would reframe our mind to think about that. That we pursue what is best in our everyday life. That we work to keep up with the Holy Spirit and the way in which He prompts us. Now, He's going to prompt you even more the more time you spend with Him. Because there's a lot of stuff in this world that doesn't make sense. And if you allow yourself to spend time with the Spirit and listen to the Spirit, He's going to show you some of those things. And they're messy. We're messy. (laughs) But that didn't stop God from sending Jesus to get involved physically and the Spirit to get involved emotionally and directly in our hearts to help us to give us a way to see more clearly what we're supposed to do every day. That as we run this race together, the goal is to stay in step with the Spirit. That Jesus is the only way to salvation. And at that moment, at that moment we start to view our world differently and we develop that character and we allow it to change the way in which we see our lives. And we're no longer shackled to the stuff that we used to be engaged in. We allow Jesus to to handle all that stuff, to take it to the cross and leave it there. Doesn't mean it's not going to show up and chase us down. But we're not running from it anymore. We're running to something. We're trying to keep up with what the Holy Spirit's already doing in our world. That's what we get to do. So when Paul says we got to keep in step, that's what I want you to think. When you think keep in step, you're trying to keep up with the Holy Spirit. You're not running away from your past, you're running to your future. You're running to eternity. That's what's there, out there. That God has given us all of the good works prepared in advance for us to do, right? We just got to be willing and listen and engaged in keeping up. Let me pray for you. Father, I know that you give us the grace and the mercy to get through every day. You give us the strength and the discernment to, to see the things around us and to be able to deal with them. And we, we can't fix them, Lord. It's not us that fixes things. It's us that gets to be engaged in the process of of introducing people to You. To encourage their hearts by, by opening up a whole new way to view their world. Lord, I pray that You would continue to use us. Thank You for Your grace, Your mercy, Your strength, Your love for us. Lord, I pray that as we try to keep up with You, 
that we would glorify and honor you, that we would take everything that you've given to us, that we would use it through our own efforts in this world, that it would be all through you, and that we would return it back to you one day as glory and honor. Father, thanks for helping us to see your character in us. I pray that we would develop it fully, that we would see our world differently, that we would run to you. In Jesus' name, amen.